Yeah, that's, it's good. You know, I grew up in vacation Bible school um, as a child, and uh, vacation Bible school back in the day uh, wasn't like vacation Bible school is today. Um, back when I was young, everybody sang the, we all sang the same songs year to year. Do you remember that? And everybody sang deep and wide. You know deep and wide? Y'all know deep and wide? Or if perhaps you come from a different tradition and it's wide and deep. I mean, that's a different way to do deep and wide. And you sang if you're happy and you know it. Do you remember? He's got the whole world. You remember that one? Pardon my singing. God bless those who are listening by podcast later on. You're going to have to deal with that. He's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah. All these songs that were sort of recycled year after year after year, and so we all learned them, and we all got to sing them together. And, and Vacation Bible School for me uh, during the summer was one of those happy moments in life. I always look forward uh, to going to the church for a week and just having fun um, with my friends during the summer because I never got to see them any other chance. And so happiness for my summers growing up was very much tied to Vacation Bible School and, and whether or not we were going to be in town for Vacation Bible School so that I could see all of my friends. Now, this morning in the sermon, what we're talking about is happiness and maybe finding something like happiness in our hearts and in our lives. And so this morning to start, what I want to show you is a picture of Phil Robertson. Do we have a picture of Phil Robertson? Okay, that's Phil Robertson. Now, there's not much about that picture that tells me that he is a happy gentleman. Am I right? I mean, look, I mean, he just got done saying happy, happy, happy in that picture. Doesn't look very happy, does he? All right, let's look at all the Robertson men um, up here on this next slide. Should be there. There we go. Um, That's happy, 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 and not really happy. None of them look happy, right? But Phil loves to say, happy, happy, happy. If you ever watch the show, just about every other episode, Phil will say, everybody happy, happy, happy. And he he doesn't even say it with that much enthusiasm. He just says, everybody happy, happy, happy. You know? Not a whole lot of enthusiasm. And if all you ever did was look at the members of the Robertson family, you might not think that any of them were very happy at all, except for maybe Jep and Miss Kay. They're always smiling, Jep and Miss Kay. But the rest of them always have this stern kind of look about them. Maybe it's the beard that keeps them from looking happy. Their outward appearance, it just doesn't scream happiness. So what I want to suggest to you this morning is that the Robertsons um, maybe haven't figured out how to be happy as much as they have figured out how to find joy. Because happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness, and you can write this down in your notes, happiness is subjective. It's subjective. You know what I mean when I say something subjective? That means it's dependent on the circumstances in which you are living and being. So happiness is subjective. And happiness is something that's very hard to hold on to. It's something that we chase after and that we pursue, but ultimately it's subjective. So it's dependent upon our situation. It's dependent on what happens to us in life. It's dependent on what's going on in your family or in your life. But what the Robertsons have figured out is not how to be happy as much as they figured out how to have joy. They figured out what so many of us have missed in, in this life. It's that happiness will always leave us wanting. But we don't really believe that. We, we really want to pursue happiness. We want to go after 
happiness with reckless abandon. So we chase after things that we think will give us happiness. You know, we chase after money and, and we work hard. And, and so we think money will make us happy. And money can buy you lots of stuff, but ultimately money runs out, right? No matter how much money you have, if you keep spending and spending and spending, trying to take hold of happiness, the money is going to run out. So maybe you switch and you say, all right, well, maybe money's not it. I'll try possessions. And so you're going to get the newest car and the biggest house on the best looking lot in the best neighborhood, in the nicest city, in the biggest, I don't know, state, um, in the greatest country on earth. And so you chase after all these things thinking, if I can just have that life, if I can have all of those things that say I'm successful and I'm worthy, um, if I can have all of that stuff, then I'll be happy. Well, it turns out all that stuff costs money, right? And so you're stuck right back where you were in the beginning. You're left wanting because ultimately you can't always get everything that you want. So maybe it's not, maybe it's not money and maybe it's not possessions. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's position. Um, you, do you guys ever know um, any happy, plasticky kind of people? These people that have like perpetual smiles on their face. Um, like no matter what, they're, they're always eating at the nicest restaurants, driving the fanciest cars and the biggest houses. And, and they're always smiling and everything is perfect. Everything's just great. Everything's perfect and they're always happy. And so we start to think, you know, if I could just be around people that are happy like that, um, if I could just be around people that have happy sort of oozing out of them, maybe I can, I can grab some happy and be happy too. And we can all be happy, happy, happy together as one group. And then you get into that group of people, right? And you hang out with them for a little while. And what do you realize? You realize they're miserable, right? They are just as unhappy as you are. They look nice and pretty and their makeup's all right and they got the right suit on, but their life's a mess. It's a wreck and they're working hard to chase after money and they're working hard to chase after possessions and they're working hard to chase after position thinking that all of these things will bring them happiness. But they keep getting left wanting. Because eventually you run out of money and eventually you realize you can't have everything you want and you realize that all of the plastic people are a wreck just like you are. And we're looking for happiness. What we ought to be searching for in life is not happiness, but joy. Because joy is different than happiness. You can be joyful in some incredibly terrible situations. You can be joyful in the midst of hurt and in the midst of pain. You can be joyful in the midst of loss. You can be joyful in the midst of the incredible trials in life because joy is different than happiness. Joy isn't dependent on your circumstances. Joy is dependent on a relationship. Happiness is dependent on your circumstances. Joy is something different Altogether, what we ought to be doing is figuring out how we can cultivate joy in our lives. I don't know. Have any of you been been to a funeral lately? I've I've been to several funerals in, in the past month or so, and it's very interesting when you go to a funeral, especially a Christian funeral, because whenever the pastor gets up there, or the preacher, or whoever's sort of officiating the funeral. They stand up in front of the congregation, and some of the first words that come out of those preachers' mouth, and I'm one of those preachers, is today we are gathered to what? The life. To mourn the life? No, we don't mourn life. Today we are gathered to celebrate the life. To celebrate the life of this man or this woman. 
And the reason we celebrate life is because we understand that joy is different than happiness, that you can be very unhappy, you can be sad, you can be in, in the middle of incredible loss. But if you have joy, even in those moments, you can find ways to celebrate because joy isn't subjective. It's not dependent on your situation. If you have joy, you have joy all the time. And so what I want to share with you this morning is a scripture text that talks about joy. Now what we're going to be looking at is uh, John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1 and going to verse 8. And then we're going to add another verse to that, okay? So first thing we're going to read is John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. This is what Jesus says there. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You've already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. I am the vine, and you, or we, are the branches. Those who abide in me, and I in them, bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you have your Bible open, or you've got a Bible app, or you're just looking in your notes, just circle that. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples." Now, those are some big-time instructions from Jesus about life. Jesus says, listen, if you want to bear fruit in this life, if you want to live a fruitful life, a life that not only experiences happiness but has joy and shares joy and shares the good blessings of God with others, then what you have to do is stay connected to me. And then Jesus takes it one step further. Um, If you have your Bible, look down at verse 11. Um, this is verse 11 here, but look in your notes or in your Bible. It says that Jesus gives all of this instruction about living and remaining in connection with him. And then he says this, I have said these things to you so that you, so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. I have said all of these things, Jesus says, so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. Do you know what the context of this teaching is? This is the night before Jesus is betrayed. And he's led off to the cross. These are some of Jesus' very last Words. He says, I want my joy to be in you and I want your joy to be complete. And the way you get to take hold of joy is by remaining connected to me and to my life and who I am. The way that you get to stay joyful and joy-filled, even when you might not look like it or might not look all that happy, is by remaining in me and abiding in me. In this text, Jesus is telling us about how to get what everybody's 
looking for. He's telling people like you and like me how to go about finding life that truly is life. And the point of the whole text, the point of the whole text is that the only place where you and I can find what it is we're looking for is in a relationship with Jesus Christ that connects us to the living God. The only place we can find joy, the joy that we're looking for, the life that we're looking for, is in a relationship with Jesus Christ that connects us to God. Jesus makes it very clear in verse 5, doesn't he? He says, listen, there's nothing that you can do apart from me. There's nothing that you can do apart from me. At least nothing of lasting value in this life or in this world. There's nothing that you can do apart from me, Jesus says. I don't know about you, but one of the things I want for my life is for my life to make a difference in my little corner of the universe. And I have to admit, my corner of the universe is not very big. Um, It's a small space. But I I want to make a difference where I am. And and I don't know if that's how you feel. Maybe you want to make a difference where you are. And if that's what you want, if you want to make a difference in this world and you want to bear fruit in a way that's lasting, in a way that not only gives you joy, but offers others joy, then you have to find a connection with Jesus Christ that puts you in a relationship with God. I want to transform my world, but the only way I can impact my wife's life and the life of my children is if I am in relationship with Jesus Christ that helps me stay in relationship with God. Because when I do that, I stop chasing after all those things that I think will bring me fulfillment, that I think will make me happy, and I turn my eyes to the source of true joy, and that is Jesus Christ. The only place, the only person, the only name that never fails us, that walks with us when we're on mountaintops and even in the deepest, darkest Valleys. It's Jesus who shows us the way to joy and the way to life that truly is life. Solomon found out that there's nothing in this world of value beyond Christ, excuse me, beyond God. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, he says he searched the world over. He tried everything. He did a little bit of everything in his pursuit of happiness, in his pursuit of of joy. And at the end of it all, at the end of the day, do you know what he says about it? About his quest to find joy? He says, vanity, vanity, all of it is vanity. That's some good King James language for you. The way that would translate today is emptiness, emptiness. Everything in life is emptiness except for being in a relationship with the God who created you and who gives you purpose and gives you meaning and gives you life that truly is life. I want to make a difference in my world, even if it's only in the midst of my family. And the only way I can do that is in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
you know, in my office, um, I have a 17-inch MacBook Pro. I think I've got a picture of it. I'm a, I'm a Mac guy. This is a, that's a 17-inch MacBook Pro right there. Um, now, that computer is about five years old. Any of you here have laptops? Any of you have laptops? Um, the really cool thing about laptops is that you can unplug them and walk around and do work in other places. You may have experienced this. You can take your laptop from your desk, carry it into another room where you're not connected to the wall, and keep on working. Now, when I first got my MacBook Pro, the battery in there was incredible. It lasted like eight hours. The, the first you know, couple of years I had it, the battery in that thing lasted eight hours, which is like no other computer on the market does that. Well, it's been like five years, almost six years since I got that computer. And do you know how long the battery in that thing lasts when it's not connected to the wall anymore? Not quite five minutes. It's actually about four hours. I'm still getting some good battery life out of it, right? Um, but whenever you disconnect it from the wall, what you begin to notice is the screen gets a little dim, right? You disconnect it from the wall and you walk over and put it on the table for the meeting and the screen gets a little dim. And after a while, you start to notice that the applications that you're trying to open are opening a little bit slower, and the battery is starting to drain, and there's less and less power to do the things that you want it to do. And the reason that is is because it's not connected to the wall. Do you know what happens as soon as you take the battery cable and you connect it to the computer? Boom, everything starts working again, right? Screen goes bright. Applications start flying around. You can do all sorts of cool stuff on the computer. But if you're disconnected, if that computer is disconnected for too long, not only will the screen dim and the applications and all the stuff on the computer begin to slow down, eventually that computer will stop functioning altogether. The battery will die. It will have no power left. Y'all, we are a lot like laptop computers. We can last a little while, maybe a good, even a good little while, disconnected from God. But the truth is, the longer that we're disconnected from God, the longer we remain separated from the source of joy and hope and love in this universe, in this world, the longer we're disconnected, the dimmer we get, the slower we become, the weaker we grow. If you want happiness, look for joy. If you're looking for joy, the only place to find it is a connection, in connection, with the God who formed you through Jesus Christ. So this morning, I, I want to just issue a challenge, an invitation to you and say to you that um, as the band comes back to the stage and, and as we sing um, this closing song, we're going to have just a few moments um, of just instrumental music. And during that time, you are invited. If you have never connected your life to the source of joy and hope and love and life, you are invited to come this morning and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that you can get connected to the God who loves you so desperately that he would die for you and rise that you might have life. If that's you, you're invited during this song. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you've just been disconnected for a little while and, and you haven't had that moment where you reconnect your life to God. I want to invite you, if that's who you are this morning, to come to the altar 
as well to reconnect your life, to reconnect your hopes and your joy and your future with the God who created you and gives you purpose and gives you life. You are invited this morning as God's people to reconnect with the one who made you, that you might not just find happiness, but that you might find joy that stays with you in every moment and in every circumstance. Would you pray with me this morning?